The FAA's long-term modernization of the national airspace has several goals, including greater flight efficiency and safety. Ways to enable this include turning the airspace, and indeed the entire FAA, into a data and information-centric enterprise. For how this is proceeding, I spoke with the FAA's chief data officer, Natesh Manikoth. In general terms, FAA, as you know, is in kind of the second decade of uh, NAS, the National Airspace System Modernization, the program you should have known as NextGen. The future of that evolution is what uh, an infocentric NAS. So in support of that vision, there's a lot of things which we have been doing to prepare for the digital infrastructure to support uh, an infocentric NAS and database decision-making efforts for all aspects of FAA. So that's where we are. We are leveraging tools and technology across the spectrum within the agency, uh, trying to reduce duplication and optimize our operational funds, utilizing the cloud and uh, AI and ML and so forth to enable the agency's mission. If it's going to be infocentric as it evolves, what was it before? So the physical technology required a substantial amount of investments. Uh, Wall Street Journal article from uh, a few years ago from Mark Andreessen about software eating the world. Increasingly, data is eating the software, which was eating the world, right? So data and information is central to almost all uh, aspects of modernization that we see because machine learning and AI can help uh, the decision-making process and so the investments are more in that space than in the physical infrastructure. Got it. So the physical infrastructure is, there's always modernization and replacement going on, but basically its purpose changes in the sense that it supports this data-centric view of everything FAA is doing. That'd be a good way to put it. Exactly. All right. And ultimately, it's the mission that matters and the relationship to the entities that interact with FAA, and that would be carriers primarily or anyone flying an airplane, the flyers, the government itself. What are some of the benefits in all of these roles that this data-centric view, this info-centric view will enable, do you think? How will things get better? You put it exactly right. Our mission is to have the safest uh, and most efficient aerospace system in the world. and. So anything which we do is in the pursuit of improvements to that safety and operational efficiency. How will the carriers see the benefits? In improved operational efficiency for them by both exchanging data with us to optimize the operation within the NAS, as well as more granular information from us and facilities to help optimize their operation. There are uh, certain carriers which are taking extreme advantage of this uh, without naming names. Specific uh, carriers have pushed the boundary on adoption of AI and ML to optimize their operations. Now, on the safety side, we have always, aviation has always used data to look back at uh, events and then put in mitigations to improve any kind of safety events that occurred. So what you see today is attention to specialized segments. So. You, uh, general aviation, probably we didn't have the kind of data before so we, uh, that emphasis or to rotorcraft. So commercial uh, aviation has always been very safe. Now other segments are also getting increasing attention because there's more data available in those spaces. As new entrants come in for the fl flying public, so as new entrants come in, so package delivery drones, for example, the risk 
to the NAS and how do you accommodate those kind of things into the NAS uh, operational picture requires data-driven risk analysis. So advanced analytical techniques allow us to understand those risks better and incorporate those things into the existing operational picture. There are some good examples in this. Um, NASA, FA, and the industry kind of collaborated on an advanced technology demonstration project, first in Charlotte and then in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to kind of uh, do integrated arrival departure with more information and data exchange between the parties to help optimize the event of a weather event to accommodate changes to their operational posture. Now, all of this is beneficial to the FAA, to the government, because we are able then to um, react better to the pace of innovation in the industry. So we have to be really robust in our digital infrastructure to actually support all the innovation the industry wants to do. That's where we are. I think uh, those are the primary benefits, speed of execution on the government side, operational efficiency and safety for airline and public. Well, having been stuck in a few thunderstorms at Dallas-Fort Worth myself over the decades, I can understand why that's a good place to experiment. But so, for example, it could be that an airline could learn earlier of something that could interrupt operations. They could stage their equipment, stage their people, even reroute passengers much more easily, sooner, instead of reacting at the last minute, for example, might be the kind of benefit right. here. Exactly. Now, all of these planning requires a model of the real world, right? To optimize any of these systems, your systems have to model the real world. And the better you're able to model that world. So how long does it take for an aircraft to taxi from its gate to the takeoff point? That uh, factors into how you actually optimize that whole flight. By uh, having better, more granular, and uh, machine learning and AI-driven models for these things, our ability to actually optimize increases substantially. Um, and in the past, we would have uh, looked at the physics of the movement of the aircraft, now data is able to tell us what those uh, models should be. So, and that helps us then take uh, experiments done at one location and easily migrate them to other airspaces as well. So it both improves uh, efficiency as well as our ability to execute these systems in new places. So, and you mentioned, times. too, that the airspace system in the commercial sense is very safe, and we know that. It's orders of magnitude safer than it was a couple of decades ago. But yet, is there also a need to look at third, fourth, and fifth order types of events or occurrences, the multiplicity of which sometimes add up to cause an air disaster? Again, it's so rare in the United States, but the deeper you can analyze, perhaps the more of the subtler and subtler effects that could affect safety can be known and mitigated before they do bubble up and cause an accident. You're exactly right. Um, so in commercial aviation, uh, these events are rare. Uh, that is because of all the hard work we that went in before. But the system doesn't stay, kind of stay stagnant, right? It changes. So we always have to be vigilant to keep the equivalent level of safety with new operations, changing operations, new aircraft. Um, but uh, we also have the ability now to kind of look at what leads up to potential events. So precursors to these events, what issues are contributing to those precursors and put in mitigations earlier in the event chain. So both the system has to kind of keep maintain the equivalent level of safety in a changing environment, but also start looking back to the probable causes of this. 
in the past, our safety model uh, would probably have been backward looking. Now we have to think about more real time uh, or near real time in time safety uh, views of things as new entrants come into the world. Uh, not all past data analytical methods would have applied for these. So, And my understanding of the chief data officer role that you hold at FAA is that people come to you with the questions they want answered and you try to help them devise the data strategy necessary to get the answers to those questions. What are they asking you? What types of things come across your desk that they see as challenges that can be solved if the right data can be staged? As the agency evolves and an infocentric NAS vision is fulfilled, the uh, ability to actually make high, you know, more granular or data-driven decisions is going to be spread across the entire agency. So the responsibility for being data-driven cannot be just centralized into a small team. The chief data office has to provide the digital infrastructure and the tools to enable everybody. The kind of questions that come up, um, uh, so there are lots of examples, but the UAS risk analysis, uh, I cited one, uh, when small package delivery and the small UAS uh, um, enablement happened, we kind of put out UAS facility maps. So those are areas where the small UASs can operate without air traffic management supervision and control. But the risk to traditional aviation ha is dynamic. So how do you understand the risk of those facility uh, constructs that have been set up? That's an example of a, a decision which uh, folks are asking us to do. Another one is airborne risk collision risks. In the past, it would have been very compliance driven that you will have aircraft will be separated by such and such distance. But the more germane question is, what's the actual risk of these trajectories of two aircraft, not whether they were compliant with the standard or not. So uh, airborne risk basically based on the existing data and the patterns which we see, both in, and then they have taken that to the ground as well, and they're now looking at uh, control flight and the terrain risks. So these are so these are good examples on the safety side. In the operational one, you alluded to this already. How how do we make better use of the airspace in the case of a weather disruption, or a more evolving example, the cadence of space launches has increased, as you know. How do you ensure that with you are not completely blocking off large swaths of the airspace? So how do you understand the risk of the actual launch or a debris from an accident and safely separate the aircraft? Do all those things require very data-driven approaches to ensure that we don't lose large swaths of the airspace. So. Interesting, yeah. The implication behind all this is that there are more forms of flight coming, the unmanned, and maybe not just package delivery, but given the types of planes the military operates, large-size unmanned craft, those could be coming to an airport near you at some point for whatever purpose right. might be needed. Right, and there's a lot of activity in the urban air mobility, regional air mobility kind of space. Uh, to, so uh, it, it's an exciting time in aviation, a lot of new types of aircraft coming in and a lot of new use of the airspace coming in. All of this has to kind of coexist with the existing patterns and evolving patterns. So. Yeah, it's not just a package delivery, integration of unmanned aircraft, integration of reduced crew. NASA is collaborating with FAA and industry on 
emergency management kind of thing. How, how do you safely incorporate unmanned aircraft into firefighting events, for example? So a lot of exciting use cases for new aircraft types. Natesh Manikoth is Chief Data Officer of the FAA. We'll be back with more of the interview after this short break. I'm Tom Temin. Welcome back to our interview with Natesh Manikoth, Chief Data Officer of the FAA. Our topic is how the FAA and the national airspace are becoming data-centric enterprises. And let's talk about the data itself, because when you look at all of the systems that generate data that are operative, you know, getting an airplane from point A to point B, or there's lots of systems on the plane, there's lots of systems generated by the next-gen components, the air traffic control components. These data, I imagine, have all different types and structures. What are some of the challenges in building a infocentric national airspace of just getting the data so that it can be useful to many applications, having come from and being generated by many different sources and in many different forms and types and formats. So the data challenges in actually accommodating the, these new things, new types of operations, there are a variety of challenges there. But let me point out a different kind of challenge in actually incorporating all sure. these technologies. Uh, it's actually the competition for talent. The ideas might be there, the technology might be feasible, but as you know, the government side struggles in attracting the talent necessary to take advantage of all these things. So that tends to be a big challenge. The other significant one is that the national airspace systems have traditionally been very federated, very distributed, and highly resilient, local resilience properties of these systems is enormous. You can have one part of the system go down, but everything else would operate efficiently. In a more networked kind of system that we are evolving to, the risks related to cybersecurity and those kind of challenges are really significant. Obviously, we're doing everything we can to kind of incorporate these technologies and capabilities carefully, but that is always at the back of our mind, cybersecurity uh, as challenge. Yeah, I think those those were the two main ones I would raise in terms of the data required to optimize. It's always a balance as a government operator and asking for more data, but only we truly have to make sure that we are only asking for the data required to perform our mission. There are a lot of stakeholders in this, so getting consensus on those kind of things are a slow and cumbersome process, so we have to be careful there. But even in the data that you do get, it comes in different formats and so forth. Does it have to be staged or laked or warehoused or somehow transformed from multiple sources so that a, right. an AI algorithm can be successfully applied to it? Yes. So let me give you a little bit of insight into the post-operational kind of analysis and where all this data comes in, which is where we do a lot of the safety analysis and so forth. Post-operational could be five seconds after operations. So we have implemented a cloud-based data platform to incorporate data from a diverse source of FAA, uh, external sources from our partners, other government agencies, so where the data, for example, comes to us from NWS, and all of that goes into an enterprise data platform, making it easier for all programs to access the data which they require in a secure and controlled fashion, but that digital infrastructure is required if you want to innovate fast. The data might be required for operations or for regulatory purposes, the cleaning and 
curation of that data can be done once and then everybody can benefit from it. The data could be voluntary safety reporting data, which has to be protected carefully. So you, the digital infrastructure, which allows that safe sharing of data is a crucial component. And then you, as you alluded to, you have to simplify access to that. You have to make the data understandable and well integrated. So we have an uh, enterprise information management platform, which facilitates this. We also, so it's one thing to have the data and stage it, but you also have to kind of drive the innovation required. So uh, when we spoke five years ago, uh, would I mention to you that we were running an innovation challenge at that time? We have been continuing to do that. We're going out to the universities and collaborating with the academia to see what else we can we do with all this data which we have gathered. Right, and you've got, when you implied earlier that you can't get everything, say, the carriers generate, you have to be careful in what it is you curate both for, you know, to be fair to them and also for what you can handle. And I just want to tie that to something I read a number of years ago that engine, for example, telemetrics can generate some crazy amount of data every second the plane is operating. And then, but on the other hand, so in a case like that, you might ask for, well, if an engine failed, maybe you only need the last 10 seconds and not from the time it was started that morning. Is that the kind of thing you mean when you try to limit the data to what's actually useful for the application? That's a great example. So the vast amount of data that the engines generate uh, and using that data to actually how optimally you can use that engine, that's of significant interest to the carriers. So they have that need, but FAA needs to know failure modes. So service difficulty reports, any kind of maintenance related interruption, and how do you standardize that across all the uh, regulated entities? So that's the piece that FAA is interested. And in the case of a specific event, there are uh, facilities in place for uh, the required parties on the FAA side to get access to that. So yeah, we have to be careful in not trying to ingest everything which the industry has. It would be cost prohibitive once, but even if we could do it, it's not necessary actually perform our mission. And it might even uh, make the mission more difficult. Right. And getting back to the question of human capital and talent, I mean, I would think if I was a data type of person or a technical person, to me, aviation is the most fascinating topic in humankind. It brings everything together, you know, for a great purpose. I would love to work for the FAA, imagining myself in that position. What's the selling point to get the talent the FAA needs in these technical and analytical areas? versus, say, the airlines themselves, which, hey, you get free flights and probably better pay. Yeah, that competition for talent uh, is always going to be there. I think you all pointed out the fact that the mission space, the particular mission of FAA is so compelling, providing that safe aviation experience for uh, everybody. And aviation is at such a crucial stage that there's a lot of innovation happening. If you're on the government side, you get to actually influence a lot of how this evolution is going to happen. So for those who are kind of energized by that mission, there's no better time than right now to be in aviation and on the FAA side. The other aspect of it is, if you are a data analyst, if you are a data scientist, there are so many different kinds of problems that you can tackle and you have access to data which would otherwise be restricted. So there are lots of compelling ones to kind of compensate for the you know, financial compensation you might be missing out. So the great experience which you get here, you could probably parlay into future uh, career opportunities as well. I think that's something which we have to be mindful of is that we might not always see now a permanent 
career in FAA, it might be that people come and contribute for a few years and go on to other things. So we have to be open to that kind of a career revolution as well. And just a couple of questions on the tools that you actually use to do data analytics. Do you develop these in-house? Are there commercial algorithms that are applicable here? How does how does that all happen? The supporting tools, we have a variety from data visualization tool and business intelligence tools like Tableau and Power BI and so forth, all the way to specialized ones like a Palantir uh, foundry for specific anomaly detection and pattern detection. So there are a spectrum of tools that are there, but we will still have the need to build predictive models and using machine learning and AI for bespoke FAA needs, which are not easily bought off the shelf. But the tools make these things so easy today that the bulk of the investment does go into cloud capability, the compute, the storage resources, and the commercial tools, and then you build a specialized tools on top of that. Uh, so it's a mix, but uh, we are not building bespoke tools from ground up. We are leveraging open source and commercial tools wherever we can. And a final question on the cybersecurity aspect that you mentioned. Is this a result of the fact that the network that the FAA uses for the national airspace in recent years, I guess over the decades maybe, has been become more and more connected to the Internet at various points? I would imagine that's really a, a forcing issue, you might say. You're exactly right. The more network these systems are, there is more global optimization of resources that we can do. So there is that efficiency and speed which comes with those systems. You have to kind of counterbalance that with the additional security risks of these connected systems and the surface area of uh, the attack surface kind of increases. So you have to kind of balance those. We cannot say we will kind of be a big castle with deep moats uh, just to stay secure. We still have to talk to the external entities to be able to optimize these operations. So you have to balance the two. Natesh Manikoff is Chief Data Officer of the FAA. To hear this interview again or share it with colleagues, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Noblis. I'm Tom Temin.